1: Radio Network, you're listening to Casey Ryan on the Cutting Room Floor. Casey, the floor is yours.
2: Alright, how you doing everybody? Casey Ryan here again for another episode of The Cutting Room Floor. A little podcast that I started to showcase indie entertainers and creative types from all walks. So I like to say, if you've got a story to tell or a project to sell, then I want to hear from you. Uh, The easiest way to get a hold of me is on Twitter. You can ask anybody that knows me. I'm on there all the time. My Twitter handle is at CuttingRoomMRB, or you can like me at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash CuttingRoomMRB uh here today uh thanksgiving weekend in the states uh i almost (laughs) didn't do the show today so if my voice sounds a little bit off it's because i've been fighting the flu all week my wife and i both got this Uh, i'm convinced if you've ever spent time around toddlers at all i was visiting my niece and nephew and i mean i love them to pieces but i'm convinced that they could be weaponized in their right hands i swear but uh all that to say the show must go on my voice is still in shape so while it's still holding out we're, we're going to keep doing this um two great guests lined up for you today uh ben rosenfeld is here from new york and uh and in the second half of the show we're going to be talking with matt jackson who's a filmmaker that was sent to me by way of a referral uh i always love interviewing stand-up comics because quite frankly i never know where the the conversation is going to go i just sort of wind things up and turn it loose as they say so these are always fun conversations to have but but I digress, Ben is a, um, a stand-up comic out of one of the capitals of stand-up comedy and being out of New York City. And uh, he's the creator of a, uh, a little concept that he's got going here called Russian Optimism. Uh, mm-hmm. And having spent a little bit of time in Russia last year, I've kind of developed a taste for this kind of <laughs> sense of humor. So <laughs> I was in St. Petersburg for a couple of days. So ah, uh, That's where I was born. Uh, oh really? Okay. Yeah. No, I was. My wife and I were on there on a cruise uh, about a year and a half ago. So. Oh, nice. Uh, Con- so, congrats on getting out in one piece. Well, you know what? We we can talk about that in a bit. But uh, without further ado, the cutting floor proudly welcomes for the first time uh, from New York City, obviously now by way of St. Petersburg, uh, Ben Rosenfeld. Ben, how you been? Good. thank you for having me Casey. So the, the first I qu- couldn't help uh, thinking that maybe we should put little children in plastic bubbles so we don't get sick. I, I you know what like I, they, they live in Ottawa so like I, I go up and see them for the weekend kind of thing. My, my parents and both of my sisters live up there and uh, I you know I, I've told them both and I tell my friends who have young kids I don't have kids myself but I, I say like if you tell me that somebody there has a little sniffle, I'm going to load up on day call cool or something, because, you know, that doesn't usually bode well. My wife and I both got it, so... Uh, but you mentioned just recently that, that, that you're actually born in St. Petersburg? Yeah, I
0: was born in uh, St. Petersburg, Russia. It, back, back when I was born there, it was called Leningrad, but... Minor name change, no big deal.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they they talk about that on all the tours that I went on. I, I uh, went out to I, I did sort of like a, you know one of these hop on hop off bus things one one day, and then we went out to uh, to the Queen's Palace there, um, the Winter Palace the other day. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I, I guess how did you uh, how did you and your family emigrate to the uh, to the states then? Uh-huh.
0: Uh huh. So basically, when I was a little kid, my parents got out. Uh, basically especially in Soviet times not that it's significantly better now but that the Russian government didn't want Jews there so they immigrated as uh, refugees because they were being persecuted in Russia
2: oh oh, oh really okay so mm-hmm. yeah, and then you know, this is talking like in the uh, this would have been what in the late 70s or early 80s or uh, mid to late 80s mid yeah. to late 80s eh? okay so that recently right and, yeah, and yeah. That...
0: Until, until the wall fell and all of that, it was that they had like Jew quotas in the universities and jobs and all of that. So
2: that granular, they, really.
0: They got out because of that. Yeah.
2: Oh, okay. And and uh, I I gather that they they settled in in uh, in New York or or they
0: uh, Connecticut and then New York. Yeah. Okay, but, but, but what... the, the the way you had to go, you first had to escape the country to like Italy or Vienna. And then you waited to get permission to come to America or Canada or Israel, which are the main three.
2: Yeah, a lot. A lot of them actually came to Canada too, right? Like we we yeah. have we, we have a uh, you know a, a thriving and, and well known Jewish community in, in Montreal too, where I'm from, right? So. Right. Yeah,
0: Montreal and Toronto. All, all all the big cities is where we end up.
2: <laughs> and and uh, I guess you know, did your parents have any you know trouble sort of? Uh, you know, getting established and things like that? Or I guess, what was that part of it like for you? I mean,
0: I'm sure they definitely had trouble, but they've both done well. They both already spoke English, so it was easier than for someone who doesn't speak the language, you know.
2: Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, that certainly does help, yeah. right? And, and yeah, um, my, I, I my... gather from the little time that I've spent over there that, that um, there aren't as many people as you would think that actually do have a command of the English language.
0: Yeah, I think in the big cities they have some basic understanding, but what once you leave Moscow and Saint Petersburg, it's much fewer fewer people that know.
2: Have you actually been back yourself?
0: Yeah, I've been back twice when I was seventeen, and then like four years ago.
2: Okay, and and I mean, you know, what's your take on things? Have they have they improved at all, or like? uh
0: they're better for some people and worse for others. It, it, it's that that place has Russia has very little middle class. It's like people that are ballers and then a lot of poor people. Kind of like what America's becoming.
1: <laughs> In a weird
2: way, there there is that kind of dichotomy, though, right? That you're seeing that. that the, the, yeah. The, you know, the... Um... The gap between classes is getting bigger, despite what the politicians will have you believe, right? Oh yeah, of course. So, so to take a sidestep to to you know sort of bring you on as to as to why you're here. First of all, how did you get into uh, into stand up in the uh, in the first place? Uh huh. Great question.
0: Uh, so when I was in college, my freshman year roommate, he was doing stand up, and I'd always go around with him and like give him little suggestions. And then fast forward to a couple years out of college, I was uh. I was doing management consulting, and I was on a project in Philadelphia. And I I started watching open mics for my friend. Like, maybe if he was going to come visit, I'd know where to send him. And after, like, two weeks of watching Philly open mics, I was like, oh, I could do this shit. So I, like, I wrote some jokes. I, I said I could write this. And then I wrote some jokes and sent it to my friend. And I'm like, hey, maybe you can use this. And he responds, it's not bad. Why don't you try it? And I was like, why don't I try it?
2: I mean, I got to tell you, like, every time I I have one of you guys on here uh, as a stand-up, to me, uh, you know, when you're starting out as an entertainer, there's two ways that you can go the hard way. One of them, I think, is stand-up comedy, and the other one is when anybody says it to me that they want to get into science fiction, right? But, you know, (laughs) because, because both ways you're working without a net, and it's kind of an unforgiving business, right? Yeah, yeah, to a degree. And uh, I guess what was it like for you taking those first few steps and going on those open mic nights? Well, the, when you're starting out, you don't know anything, so it's
0: it's not bad because you you just want to improve. It, it's once you're doing it for a bunch of years where you understand how a joke works and how to make an audience laugh. Where you, then then it's like career based and you want to get this thing or that thing, and that, that that's when it gets harder. When when you're in your first year or two and you're just trying to learn how it all works, and just do better each time, and you don't have any other goals. That That's the fun part.
2: But, I mean, did you go into any kind of... I, I know that there's one guy up here uh, named Joey Elias who who operates a comedy class for anybody that is looking to get into this. Did you go through anything like that?
0: Uh, eventually I, I took a class, ju- just more to meet certain people than pretty class aspect of it but mostly it was just going to open mics and then little bar shows and things like that and kind of just showing up every day for a bunch of years before you get known
2: and uh who would you say are some of your biggest influences then
0: uh george carlin would be my biggest influence i'd say and then christopher titus and chris rock
2: but... No, George Carlin is uh, I, I gotta admit I you know I grew up listening to his stuff. He was always my dad's favorite stand-up comic and he's certainly still one of mine. I've read all of his books and and uh, I mean you know that guy was more than just a stand-up comic. He was a free thinker too when you think about it. Yeah, and
0: the amazing thing about him is his material holds up fifteen, 20 years later.
2: Yeah, because it's not overly topical, right? It's, yeah, it, you know, it's it,
0: just as relevant. All the points he's making are just as relevant today as they were, even more so today than 10, 20 years ago when he did some of those.
2: And and he was the kind of guy that had a lot of longevity, too, right? I mean, he, he was at it for, for oh, yeah, 40, 40 or 50 plus, years? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah? So, yeah. so so I, I guess what kind of humor do you find the funniest then is it situational stuff is it your rant comics I, it... I,
0: I, I like the funniest things for me are always finding the bright spot in a horrible situation
2: okay can you provide an example of that then without going into the book
0: I, I was gonna say the book is actually my favorite example of it, it because it's all these horrible nursery rhymes but I think they're hilarious but yeah I, I can give you another one it's a uh... It's a new new joke that I've been doing. It's uh, I, I read that ISIS has an internet presence with a twenty four seven help desk. Oh jeez. So you know that that yeah. that's horrible and all that, but like, so here's the funny thing to me, right? ISIS has a twenty four seven help desk. It's like, how's that work?
2: Yeah. yeah Thank yeah, you for I, calling
0: I, ISIS. If but, you need more guns and ammo, say jihad or press one.
2: Yeah. yeah if you noticed a woman
0: <laughs> thinking, smiling, or driving, say broken camel or press tube. <laughs> Par espanol Puca numero cuatro. And,
2: and uh, I mean, they, you know, they really are going that route, too, when you think about it, right? With, the, you know, the whole social media angle of it. And so, I mean, it's, it's that's just a messed up thing. But Yeah. Um, n- now, the, the, the book, getting over to that, uh, Russian Optimism. You know, this is kind of, most people would call it an oxymoron. Right.
0: Yes, that 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 is how I intended the title. If, if you understand it's an oxymoron, you will enjoy the book.
2: <laughs> okay, and, and uh, you know where where did you go with this?
0: Uh-huh. So it, it, the the title is Russian Optimism: Dark Nursery Rhymes to Cheer You Right Up. And it's it's uh, so in Russia, there's like hundreds of these dark little rhymes where pretty much your kids die in each one or something horrible happens. But I I, I think they're hilarious, and, and they've been around since the '70s and '80s. So I found a couple of hundred of them, and then I picked my best, my favorite 30 that I thought would illustrate best. And then I created a hardcover coffee table book with them, where it has the English translation, the original Russian, and how to say to Russian in English letters.
2: Now, these are actual, you know, colloquialisms or or rhymes that they they have in Russia, or, or were these things that you actually made up? No, I, I didn't make them up.
0: They're real rhymes. They're they're like the Russian equivalent of knock knock jokes.
2: Okay. Alright.
0: Or or more like you know, you know, like the uh dirtier rhymes like Jack and Jill went up a hill, th- things like that. So it's like it's rhymes that adults tell to each other or to their kids if they want to mess up their kids.
2: <laughs> okay, and uh, and these were – okay, I, I can just imagine where, where some of this is going. So you, your target audience then for this thing w- wouldn't necessarily be – is it family-friendly? Is it PG-13? I, I guess where are you sliding on uh, this going? Yeah, this? I'd go
0: PG-13 to R. I, I, I know 14- and 15-year-olds who do stand-up comedy, they enjoy it. It's definitely more for adults, I would say. It's like if, if you liked, uh, you know, the book All My Friends Are Dead or Go to Fuck to Sleep.
2: Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah the one that uh, ultimately you wind up getting Samuel Jackson to narrate, right? right. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's if you like books like that, you'll enjoy this book. Or if you like Russian culture, th- those are the two main groups that would find it interesting.
2: Because I, I mean, like I remember being on the, uh, you know, the the guide, you know, the, the guided tours. Because that's the way they, the only way, basically, that they they let tourists into the country, right? Unless you apply for a visa. But and I just remember thinking to myself, and I've told my wife this many times. I said, everywhere we went, there was some violent story about how the thing got started and it didn't matter if it was a church or whatever there was just such a darkness and 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 violence associated with a lot of the stuff
0: yeah but there's an upside to it. it it's not just darkness it's like it's so dark and horrible that you can't help but laugh
2: well, yeah, and you know, like you know, we brought in the you know the best architects in the world, of, you know, from Scotland and this and that and the other thing, and then his rivals got so jealous that they came in and made eight assassination attempts on him and blew his legs off, and I'm like, whoa, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, yeah, it, but see, each of each of those dark stories
0: has a moral message behind it, like that one is don't don't be so ostentatious that you piss off your rivals.
2: Okay, well, yeah, I mean that—that that, I, I guess what are some of the morals then that you're relaying in—in in, in, uh, in this one?
0: Sure, I, I can share some. Do, do you want the Russian as well, or just the English? And you'll trust I, on not, Russian? the Russian. The floor is yours. Do what you like with it. Sure. Uh, here's uh, here's one called. Uh, here, here's the first one. Я почему вас Ничего не did you catch how that rhymes?
2: Yes, I did. Yeah.
0: Nice. Uh, so here's the translation. I asked Peter the electrician, "Why is there a copper wire around your neck?" He didn't respond. His boot just swayed quietly. <laughs> Lovely. And the message in that one is, "Don't ask stupid questions."
2: I... Wow. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, how, how, long the, uh, how long has the book been out?
0: Uh, it's been out since the start of the year. It's been in Amazon's top 20 bestsellers for dark humor, and the Kindle version's been top five in humor.
2: Uh, no, I mean, that's got to be awfully encouraging to you, too. Is this your first book?
0: Yeah, this is my first book. Uh, yeah, it's definitely encouraging, and it's, it's actually in Barnes & Nobles now as well, in the brick-and-mortar stores.
2: Okay, I, have, I was just going to ask you: Have you got it in print, or is it all strictly? Yeah, e-books? yeah, no,
0: no. It's in, the the original version is in print. It, it's a hardcover book, full color, beautifully illustrated. It's sixty-four pages.
2: And and I uh, I wanted to ask you about that. How did you go about seeking out um, an illustrator for this? Uh huh. So.
0: So actually I found, I was at a, when, when I had an off night, I went to like a mixed open mic where it was musicians and comedians. And, and I noticed someone had this comic book that, that it wasn't like Spider-Man or anything. It was just a random comic book that, that looked kind of nice, but produced on its own. So I chatted the guy up and asked him who that was by and was like a friend of his and I'm like, oh, I'm looking for an illustrator. So he put me in touch. It wasn't that guy he put me in touch with, but he put me in touch with someone else, who is Dove Smiley, the illustrator. And we went back and forth. He gave me a couple of sample images, and then we went from there.
2: And I, I guess, what's the feedback been like so far? I mean, have you, you know, gotten comments from people that have actually read it, or you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. There, there's a bunch of Amazon reviews, mostly positive, but even the negative. I actually love the negative reviews even more than the positive ones. <laughs>
2: Why is that? Because
0: they don't... The, the, how they don't get it is just hilarious to me. I, I'm, I'm pulling one up right now because this is actually by. I think it's averaging four or five stars. But the negative review... Let me pull it up real quick.
2: Okay, but, but before we do is... that, I, I just want to preface this. I, I don't want to hear the guy's name because I, I don't... <laughs> okay, I'll, right.
1: I'll,
2: I'll, I'll skip the name. But the title of the review
0: is... Warning, Poison for the Soul... Do not offer this to a child or a maladjusted teenager.
2: <laughs> so they're really, you know, out of left field, like they, they don't get the fact that this is really intentionally dark, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: The, so the, the review is, the illustrations are well executed, and I managed to learn some Russian, which will probably never cross my lips. Apart from that, the contents are unremittingly dark, bloody, and depressing. And see right there, I would put that as part of a good review. Unremittingly dark, bloody, and depressing. I think that's a positive thing. Uh, going on with his review, I kept on reading all the way to the end to see if there was any reason for optimism. None.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, but again, they're they're kind of missing the point that they, they right? They, you know, yeah, you're, you're kind of you're kind of taking with two hands and giving with a, you know, with one back later, right? That... Right, exactly.
0: But but that's why I enjoy it, because they totally miss it, and it, it's still funny to me how they missed it.
2: So, I mean, like, and I, I'll ask you this, you know, and I'll put you on the spot a little bit, and, and uh-huh. I, I know that there there are some comics out there that, that kind of get a bit of a high when a joke doesn't really register with people right away, because they, they to a certain extent, you're thinking above the crowd as opposed to with them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever had a moment like that? Oh yeah, all the time. <laughs> the, the, the most common uh,
0: semi-backhanded compliment I get, which will happen every few weeks, is after a show someone will come up to me and be like, We really enjoyed you, but we think it went over the head of everyone else.
2: I mean, you know, the, the the example that I think of that is, uh, you know, I'll, I'll throw another classic example out that you know, with, with Andy Kaufman was a lot like that to a certain extent, right? That, that he didn't really care if he got a good reaction or a bad reaction out of people. He just wanted people to react.
0: Right? Yeah, I, I think sometimes he would even purposefully seek out the bad reaction just to get a reaction, like you said.
2: So so, how do you do that? When when like, how do you, how do you deal with it when a uh, you know you set, you put something out there and you think I thought this was fucking hilarious, but but you know it's not registering with everybody. I, I guess how do you? Well, what's your next move in a situation like that? It, it, it depends on if
0: it's one line or two lines or if it's like two or three minutes in a row. But if it's one line, you just pause and keep going. It's not a big deal. If if it's just joke after joke, they're just staring at you. Then you got to be you gotta acknowledge it somehow, like have some save lines, or start doing crowd work, or something. You, you don't want to just keep going with them staring at you for too long. You, you can sneak in a point every once in a while, but you need you want them laughing more often than not.
2: And and how did you actually go about getting the book published itself physically? Like, did you seek out a uh, you know an actual publisher? Did you did you you know do, go the do it yourself uh, route or?
0: Uh... Yep, so what I did first, I pitched a bunch of literary agents who specialized in humor and gift books. And a few of them were interested, but they were dragging their feet and replying. So after a few months, I just got tired of waiting, so I made a Kickstarter for it. And I raised over four grand on the internet, mostly from strangers, which was enough money to pay the illustrator and to get copies of the book published to everyone that prepaid and then have some additional books left over. And to get it into Amazon and all of that.
2: Oh, I didn't realize you went the crowdfunding, right? I, you know, how was that for you? Mm-hmm. I, I, that I, I'm fairly familiar with because we have a lot of people on here plugging campaigns. But mm-hmm. how, how was that experience for you?
0: Uh, it was scary and exciting and a lot of work. But it, it worked out and it got, it got a, a couple hundred people interested in the book before it even came out, which is... The, the nicest part is to see that you have a viable product before it exists, which I think is the best part about crowdfunding.
2: Well, yeah, I, I can imagine, right? And, and the fact that, like you said, that most of your donations came from people that you didn't really know is, is also something that... Uh... Yeah,
0: it, it got on the uh, website boingboing.net, which is like a huge internet geek site. And once it got on there, the donations came in and it was amazing.
2: So did did you actually hit your your full target? Or, uh... Yeah,
0: yeah. My target was twenty five hundred. I hit four grand. Really?
2: Okay. No, that that's a hell of a thing, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. No, it was it, it was great.
2: And uh, you know, the, have you got any plans for any kind of follow up book, or, or you know, is there enough mm-hmm. material there that you mm-hmm. could go over to with a second one?
0: I I have the next thirty rhymes picked out but not illustrated. Uh, my, my, my rule on that is right now the book is profitable, but barely. So if I if I make enough money on this book that it's worth all the time it takes to make a book, I, I would make a second one, but it's not there yet.
2: Okay, and, and how has social media then helped you in terms of getting the word up?
0: Uh, yeah, social media has been great. Uh, for, for the crowdfunding, boing, boing, that got shared a bunch of times. And then I've had a lot of really positive reviews from a lot of comedy websites and book review sites. So those keep getting shared. So it's also the most basic form of social media is a lot of times after shows, I'll, I'll say thank you to people for coming out and give them a free bookmark with the book title on it and how to find me. And I've noticed that helps me get more followers
2: and all of that. Uh, i'm just going to take a quick minute and see if we can get matt jackson in here all right so uh, if you can just bear with me ben all right Mm -hmm. all right uh matt (coughs) user hello matt hi it's casey ryan on the carding room floor how are you Pretty good how you doing Casey good good thanks for uh, you yeah, know thanks for agreeing to do this by the way I just wanted to introduce you to my other guest uh, Ben Rosenfeld who uh, is actually on the show Ben is uh, a stand-up comic out of New York and uh, so we're doing the East Coast West coast thing today uh, and he's got a uh, kind of a tongue-in-cheek book of uh, Russian nursery rhymes that, that uh, are intentionally dark and you know kind of branded it with uh, with his own particular uh, brand of stand-up comedy and uh, Ben I just want to introduce you to Matt Jackson who is a self-proclaimed uh, geek and filmmaker out of LA who comes to us by way of a, a good, useful friend of ours, Rob Gokey. So,
3: Hey, Matt. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Ben.
2: So, uh, uh, Ben, unfortunately we have to tie this up here, but this has been a lot of fun. Uh, where can people go to learn more about your work? Uh
0: uh-huh. To learn more about my work, go to BigBenComedy.com. And to learn about the book, go to RussianOptimism.com or just type in Russian Optimism on Amazon or Barnes & Noble.
2: Okay, great. And thanks a lot for doing this. And then certainly, if you need my help promoting anything, then by all means, let me know. All right?
0: Absolutely. Thank you so
2: much, Casey. Okay, not a problem. So, uh, Matt, what we're going to do is I'm just going to ask you to mute up for another couple of minutes. I'm going to do the Hollywood Rock and Wrap-Up uh, by Jason Hadley. Uh, and then I'm just going to play a song here. I've had one rattling around in my head, one of my uh, old favorites uh, by uh, Uncle Cracker and Dolby Gray. I'm going to play Drift Away, and then we're going to be back in a, a few minutes to talk with you. All right?
3: Love it. All right. All right. It's the Hollywood and Wrap Up with your host, Jason Hadley. Lil Wayne's being sued by the model on his latest line of t-shirts claiming she didn't give permission to use her image. Not wanting to be associated with Lil Wayne's misogynistic music, ironically, the shirt's the least misogynistic thing about Lil Wayne. It has instructions on how to care for her right on the label. Again from the world of rap music, Lil Boozy's asking for prayers after revealing to fans he was recently diagnosed with a form of kidney cancer. Boozy may want to get a second opinion, as Dr. Dre isn't actually licensed to practice medicine. (laughs) Embattled 19 Kids and Counting oldest son, Josh Duggar, reportedly sold his family's home to help pay off a porn star threatening to make the details of their relationship public. As the former president of a family values lobbying group, Duggar would only request sex acts named after religious leaders like Marilyn Hickey and Oral Roberts. (laughs) And that's the Hollywood Rockin' Wrap-Up. Follow us on Twitter at Rockin' Wrap-Up.
1: after day I'm more confused, yet I look for the light through the pouring rain, you know that's a game that I hate to lose, and I'm feeling the strain. I don't understand the things I can do, the world outside looks so unkind, and I'm counting on you, you can carry me through, oh, give me the beat boys and free my soul, I wanna get lost in your rock and roll. song.
2: And that was uh, Uncle Cracker and Dobie Gray. Drift away. I love belting that one out on a long car ride. Uh, one of my favorite old songs. I always thought I'd play that one today. Uh, Matt, you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, great. So, <clears throat> pardon?
3: Uh, sorry, I. Something
2: in my throat. Okay, no problem. So uh, Matt Jackson is joining us for the second half. Uh, comes to us as a referral from Rob Gokie, and I, I still maintain that I'm going to start a game on Twitter that called the six degrees of Rob Gokie because almost everybody <laughs> that I've had on here in some form or another has has crossed paths with him at some point. One yeah, of the that, nicest.
3: That guy is all over Twitter.
2: One of the nicest guys you'll ever meet, too. By the way. I, Absolutely. I, I have a lot of respect for Rob. Allison's a nice uh, woman too, by the way. Uh, But I digress. Matt is is here. Uh, He's uh, from the other side of uh, the United States out in Los Angeles, so we're doing a typical uh, New York, L.A. thing today. Uh, he's a writer, director, and a proud geek uh, who runs his own production company called Platypus Robot, which is awesomely named when I, cause I love little things like that. Um, and I actually did have Rob on here for a little while talking about Love in the Time of Monsters, but, uh, which is uh, the latest uh, project from Matt, but he's also got another one in development. So we're going to hear a little bit more from, uh, from the, uh, the brains behind uh, the operation here. So without further ado, uh, from Los Angeles, the cutting room floor proudly welcomes for the first time Matt Jackson. Matt, how you doing? Hey,
3: howdy. Thank you so much for having me. So
2: the first question I always have for everybody is a bit of an icebreaker. Uh, When you're on here for the first time, uh, did I get all of your bio information right there?
3: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
2: So I I guess we can sort of, um, excuse me, jump right into it. Uh, Forgive me, my voice is a little bit weak, but
3: um, loving the time of monsters,
2: what actually is this uh, film all about?
3: Um, It (laughs) is, uh, I, I decided when I was, when I went in to go make this movie, I said, if I'm going to make one movie in my life, I'm going to make a movie that I really want to watch. And so it is a throwback, uh, to those eighties classics that you'd catch on TV. Uh, it's about two girls fighting toxic monsters in Northern California while trying to save the one monster they love. Um, and it's, it's big, it's fun, it's goofy, it's weird. And it has big, bright colorful characters in it and great performances. And, yeah, you know, just it's just all around fun. It's one of those movies you can throw on uh, at a party or at home, and hopefully it has enough stuff to keep you going either way.
2: I mean, this sounds like uh, you know, almost like a you know a trauma picture, if you will. You know, these things that are you know intentionally tongue in cheek, and, and you know, I, I kind of see a lot of that. Was did that color your uh, your inspiration at all?
3: Uh, I mean, ever so slightly. Uh, trauma, trauma is a really like hot button thing because because their stuff is so. Particular, let's call it. Um, uh, we, um, but but that said, one of the best filmmaking books I've ever read is um, uh, Everything I Learned About Filmmaking I Learned From the Toxic Avenger, and and also the sequel to that, Make Your Own Damn Movie, both by Lloyd Kaufman, which are amazing, which is all about like, want to make a movie? That's great, just go do it. You want to make a movie that has, uh, you know dimensional hopping and exploding school well figure out a way to do it and just do it but like don't let your budget get in your way and i love i love that aspect of of trauma but but honestly not much else
2: no i, I you know the reason yeah. i brought that up I, I actually had lloyd on here a couple of years ago and that um you know, make your own damn movie was one of the just after it came out kind of thing and uh you know he was saying that too he said you can you know i said i don't know what the big deal is he goes you guys if you want it bad enough you can make a movie for damn near nothing you know right but uh yeah. i i guess where where did the idea you know how, how did you come up with this idea and did you write it yourself i i guess you know what was the level of your involvement with it
3: um so uh i uh i made a short film with uh the producer of uh love time monsters lit tom um uh, I, I made a short film with uh Andy Gunn and uh, it did the festival run and we're really proud of it uh it was just a it was a comedy about um, background actors uh and uh and then we decided we wanted to make uh, a feature and we wanted to make something that was was big and fun and we decided to do uh, a horror comedy and we we cast the net and we went to go see what we could find and a good friend of mine from college mike scavarla was like oh, I have this great script that I think you totally love. And it gave me this weird script about Bigfoots and mutant kids called uh, Gigantolopithecus Doom. And and it was this it was this wacky cartoon with a heart, and I loved it every step of the way. It was just like, oh, my God, this is it. Um, and then uh, from there, we, we just kept doing note passes to get it to a place. And uh, so we started the process in 2008 got the script to a spot where we're like, okay, now I feel like it's a movie that we can make and people would want to see. And we had a couple of, um, uh, actor friends come over to the house here and, uh, do a read through for us where they all read it and, and kind of got into it. And we, we got the feeling that the, that there's something there. Everyone was laughing everyone loved it. Um, and it was, it was like, oh great. So we actually have a movie. Um, and it was there that we were tossing around different title ideas that one of the people who was at the read-through, uh, Bilal Mir, said, "said You yeah, know, your title's a little weird. You should try something like, you know, like one of those weird parody titles, like something like. Okay. Uh, okay, Matt, you still there?
2: Okay, we seem to be having a bit of a connection problem with Matt here. Uh, Matt, maybe if you could just hang up and try to dial back in again. Uh, yeah. I, uh, maybe if you can try to dial me again. We, uh, we seem... Yeah, we're trying to get the call back. So again, we were talking about his movie, uh, "Loving the Time of Monsters." This is actually on his IMDb page, believe it or not. And you can look this up at. Uh, if you look at Matt Jackson, director. Make sure that you put that in there uh then you should be able to find pretty easily on imdb and uh i've also got his website up here which is platypusrobot.com so that's uh, fairly specific and you, you shouldn't have much trouble remembering that either uh looks like it's got kind of a really cool cast associated with it too so what i'm going to try to do is i'm going to try to get matt back on here and hey is, all right there it is all right yeah sorry about that it's, uh, no worries
3: the internet always, always ruining everyone's day.
2: Hey, well, you know what? I, I keep teasing. You know, it's uh, part of it is I'm Canadian, so it must be the crazy weather up here, right? So, <laughs> so uh, uh, yeah, and I was just, uh, you know, sort of kind of, you know, pointing people to uh, to your IMDb page there, Matt, just to, to get a little more information on it. And you've also got your your platypus robot site up too, right?
3: Yes, I do. Uh, my plat my fancy, my fancy pants uh, director website. Where I talk about all kinds of stuff that I do and, and all that fun stuff.
2: Uh I was looking at us over here when I was doing my homework for this, and I mean you've got one hell of a team assembled for this from the looks of things, right?
3: Oh yeah, for, for Litum, yeah. It was it was amazing. Uh yeah, Kane uh Kane Hodder and Doug Jones and uh Mike McShane and uh Heathery Young and uh uh yeah, it was it was it was a dream that any of those people wanted to come hang out with us. And, and then like the rest of the cast was, was, was just as amazing, just not as well known yet.
2: No, but um, I, you know, in the process yeah. of doing, uh, you know, some of the other interviews, I mean, I'm seeing some names here that I've heard before, like Gina, and Danny Vasquez and people like that too. So it's, uh, I mean, that, that's a good team. Right. how'd you hear
3: of Jenna Shaw?
2: I don't know but I, <laughs> I I don't know but I I know it's just one of these names that I know that I've it's been tossed around I've done close to 500 episodes of this so oh wow you know, yeah
3: okay um, but yeah Jenna's great and and Danny Danny made a surprise appearance in Ant-man um, uh Uh, this summer, which is pretty, pretty amazing and really mind-blowing because the same weekend was uh, when Trainwreck came out and Lit Tom gets a name check in Trainwreck.
2: Really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, those are a couple of high-profile projects too, right? Yeah,
3: it was really awesome. Um, I was was over the moon that weekend in July.
2: And how did you actually go about casting this did you did you have a call or, or were these all friends of yours i i guess uh, you know how did you put this together
3: uh it was it was a call uh we just we just cast the net for um you know it was, the most important part was the two girls and so we we put a casting call out in los angeles for pretty girls in their mid-20s who are either blonde or brunette so we saw every girl in town um <laughs> I'm like if you ever want to feel like a like a total jerk, like put out a call for a bunch of for a pretty girl, and then go through the thousands of faces that come in and decide who is pretty enough to come and see it. Like I I always always feel awful about that part of the process. But, um, we. Uh, well, I mean, there's got to be uh, a certain amount. I I
2: I mean, you know, all facetiousness aside, I mean, there's, there's got to be some kind of, you know. Interesting. There, you know, some of them I, I gather have got to be a much better actresses than others, too. Right? Oh
3: yeah, but um the way it worked was that you would get we got something like five thousand submissions, right? And so I sat with the casting director and I picked out two, three hundred that I, that seemed like they fit the part, uh, and then went through and combed through their their um uh, their resumes and stuff. But it, it is it is. It really opens your eyes to how terrible it is to be an actor uh, because at some point you're just you're just a number and it's it's so awful and hopefully you can get past that hurdle to then get in the room and then you know see what happens um, but it it, it it is a rough process I'm really glad I'm on the tough side behind the camera and not in front of the camera
2: okay and that, that was um, one of my other questions do you even make little cameos in your own films
3: yeah not not really. I have a cameo. Okay, yeah. uh, It's totally a um, uh, a picture cameo. Uh, but yeah, I I used to we used to do shorts uh, when I was living at my old place uh, with a bunch of roommates. Uh, we used to do little shorts, which were great. Uh, and because we didn't know anybody, we would act in our own stuff. And so I was on screen a lot more than I wanted to be. Uh, but but by and large, I am totally fine not seeing my stupid face on screen. I am very much a behind-the-scenes kind of guy, and that's fine.
2: Well, I, I always tell the same people, uh, people the same thing. There's something similar too, and they asked me to do video interviews. I said, "Look, if there's a way that we can just make this audio, I'm a lot more comfortable like that." I, you know.
3: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
2: But uh, like,
3: uh, it, uh, but uh, but so casting, we uh, we we had all these girls come in, and we had them read, and we were having them read two at a time, and. Uh, you know saw a lot of great actresses like a lot of like really really solid people uh that i still kind of keep tabs on my favorite it's uh uh, because i want to see like where they go because i was really impressed with them but uh jenna came in and jenna was the key to the whole thing because marla was was the lead and she had a heft this entire movie on her shoulders uh Jenna came in and just nailed it like got the mike's writing has a weird cadence to it and Jenna got it straight like she got it from the word go um and so she was amazing and then and she was a right level of of strength and uh and vulnerability and and all of that mix and, and good comic timing and all of that and then we just kind of built around her so uh, uh, it took us a long time to find a good Carla for her because we wanted a girl both really pretty but could stand up to Jenna um on screen and not feel like she was getting bowled over. Or when she, she she had that moment of like of of trying to stand up to her sister sister that it didn't feel petulant, like it felt like a strong woman. Um and it took it took us a while, but we found her. And Marissa uh, Skell, who is who is so great and is such a trooper, and uh, came in and, and just nailed it. It had an instant rapport with Jenna, and was so very much the right choice. I'm so glad we we held out and waited for her. And then and then the other puzzle was waiting for waiting for Danny, and, and surprisingly, like finding a um, finding the right kind of of lead for Armando that who had to be like had to have this big bravado, but but also kind of be a coward and want to like bridge that gap um, was was difficult to find. Like, we could find sleazy guys who couldn't do the heroic part of it. We could find uh, guys who were really broad who couldn't do the small parts of it. Uh, and Danny Danny hit that that spread perfectly, where he's he's really handsome and he could he could do the broad stuff and he could do the small stuff and. And look great with Jenna, and, and and those three, then then we had something to play with.
2: And uh, you know, we've already gotten a mention for uh, for for Danny's uh, bigger projects here, and I'll I'll just you know throw this out because Jenna's been in a lot of big TV shows too, right? I'm looking here, yeah, you know CSI and Without a Trace and uh, you know Revenge and uh, uh, whatchamacallit, call it, The Vampire Diaries. I mean, that, I mean, those are some big big productions right
3: yeah so. yeah it's great uh her episode of revenge as a matter of fact i love because she made out with uh the sexiest man in riverdale alan m <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um and uh that i love Jose and the pussycats and so i i was over the moon when i saw that episode <laughs> so
2: so where's the film right now i mean it, have, have, have you got it out there for people to see or are you still on on uh i, I guess where is it
3: uh, yeah, it is. It is officially out and ready for like people to digest and tell me that they hate it or tell me that that they love it. Like I'll take either. Uh, I just want people to see it. Uh, but it's uh, it's available um, on DVD uh, online at Amazon and uh, like Barnes and Noble and um, Best Buy uh, It's also um, available streaming on iTunes and Vudu and all of that nonsense. Basically. Any type of uh, of streaming ser- uh, uh VOD service, you have, look for "Love in the Time of Monsters," and it's probably there. And, and what's the feedback
2: been been like this far? I mean,
3: have you heard from anybody that's actually seen it? Uh, yeah, it's so far it's been it's been really solid. It's been it's been uh, it's been really really um, uh, gratifying that like you put your heart and your soul into this thing. It took us. Uh, it took us uh, seven years to get it from from the original concept to screen, and then to actually put it out in the world and have people respond to it and really like it is is amazing. I, I had a guy last night on Twitter uh, tweeting at me and telling me how much he loved the movie, which is so ridiculous. I I love it and I love that it's it's getting out there, um, and uh, we've gotten reviews on on bigger websites, and they all seem to really dig it. Like everyone who sees it gets it and and is into it and that that feels really great
2: it's a, it's a real high though eh? when, when you get a, a comment out of the blue like that from somebody that you've uh, that you've never heard before or never heard from before and they say hey yeah by the way i saw this and i think it's really cool you know that that, that is a big rush right
3: yeah no it's nothing beats it nothing beats it and <clears throat> and I can't wait to get back and do the same thing like, uh, sorry, do another one and, and get to the same spot because yeah, like I love, I love, I love making stuff, but I love putting it in, out there even more. Um, I, I was a real pill when we were in post-production cause I was just like, I just want to get it out the door. I just want people to see it. I just, just gotta like, I can't be the only one who sees this stupid thing. Like everyone has to see it. Um, and, uh, and yeah, like I, I love that it's out and people are seeing it and people are responding. Even the people who, who hate it, I love because at least they've seen it. And then, then I get to be that guy who they're like, because I've. I- I've been there. I've been there, watching a b- bad movie and being like, "Man, this is the worst thing I've ever seen," and complaining about it somewhere. Like, I am so glad I could be that person for somebody else.
2: I, I remember uh, there was uh, another friend of mine, Clint Flott, was on here, and I'll throw a quick story at it. He, he, and uh, this other guy that he works with, Don Portello made a movie, and they got one stream of it, one, okay. <laughs> and they were going to make a documentary about flying to Ireland and giving the guy his money back and watching the movie with him in his in his apartment. <laughs> Because there was only <laughs> there was only one guy that watched it, I thought, you know what? That's just such a crazy idea. I I'd actually kind of like to see something like that myself.
3: Uh, yeah, I would love I'd love to see that. Be I mean, really uh, sad, but I'd love to.
2: But, see- no, it'd be funny too, yeah, right? I mean, you know, especially knowing these yeah. guys. But um, on, the, on the subject of actually getting material out there, uh, I know that you operate a blog too, right?
3: I do. I do. Uh, I um, I used to. I I got really bad at. Well, so, okay. So there's a couple of blogs out there. We have the, 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 uh, I, I was really big into Web 2.0 a few years ago. And so I was like, blog, blog, blog. And then I, I overwhelmed myself with it. Uh, we have a blog for the movie. Uh, you can find it at tbcfilms.com slash blog that chronicles our journey making the movie and has a bunch of like weird filmmaking tips and like, (laughs) like thoughts about direction and and all that jazz. Uh, and it's, it's great. It was, you can really see us change as uh storytellers and filmmakers. The process and it was great. Uh, and then I also have a, uh, a comics blog because I am an unabashed geek and I love to, uh, I have a, I I have a, a, a comics blog where I just write about, you know, why I hate Jonathan, Jonathan Hickman. And, you know, my complaints about modern day Marvel stuff. It's fun.
2: Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I could probably have you on again for another discussion about that. Cause I'm a bit of a comic junkie myself, but, uh, um, yeah, the, the other one that I wanted to, we, we only got a couple of minutes left here, Matt, but I wanted to make sure we get in a, uh, a quick plug here because I know that you have another one in development called proven ground.
3: Yes. I'm really excited about proven ground. It's a, um, uh, it is a gender flipped Mad Max, rad, uh two rad chicks on motorcycles fighting uh, nomads in the deserts of Arizona. And uh, I wrote it. Um, I wrote it uh, earlier this year, and I, I love it. It is so much fun, and it's it's big, uh, big and exciting. It, it's like Lit Tom in that it's it's totally inspired by the '80s, but it's. It's very much its own thing, and I I am in love with the idea of female heroines. And so, when I write things, I always like to, or when I'm attracted to a project, I always like uh, female protagonists. And these are two strong female female women. That doesn't make any sense. Two f- strong female protagonists, really uh, going out into the world and and making it their own, and it's and it's great. And so uh I, um, i'm doing all that boring pre-production stuff and so we'll see what happens with it but uh, I'm, I'm working i'm working towards it and if nothing else maybe i'll just turn it into a um, a graphic novel and kind of Kind of go go from there, but it is it is a whole lot of fun, and whoever wants to talk to me about it, I am all about talking about
2: it. Well, you know, when you're a little bit further down the line, I'd be proud to have you back. I mean, you know, that to me sounds like something I'd like to see. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, Thank you very much. Yeah. So uh, unfortunately, Matt, we have to wrap this up here, but but uh, let's get in a good solid uh, plug here for for all of your websites and social media feeds and all that jazz. Uh, where can people go to to either see Love in the Time of Monsters or follow you on Twitter or all out of great stuff
3: sure uh so to watch love in the time of monsters you can go to tbcfilms.com slash watch you can see all your different options of where you can check out the movie uh, if you want to follow the movie on twitter you can follow it at uncle slavko that's a s-l-a-v-k-o um uh and if you want to follow me because i'm always a good guy to follow uh you can follow me at platypus robot um uh, yeah, I was gonna say .dot com, but that doesn't make any sense. Uh, You can follow me at Platypus, .well, uh, you can follow me at Platypus Robot, and uh, and I, I typically follow back, and I yeah you know, I rant about and movies and stuff, and it's a, it's a good time.
2: You yeah, I I only started following you this week myself, because because uh, of the intro here, but but uh, uh, and you know I, we'll we we'll get in one last quick plug. I, I know that Rob actually did the score for you, right?
3: He did. Rob did a great job, and uh, Rob and I have been been friends for a while. Uh, actually I went to college with Allison so oh you did Allison okay. we were looking for another producer yeah. Allison was yeah Allison was the first person we called because she is she is a magician making stuff happen um uh, and she is she is wonderful and then um and then she met Rob and like the whole thing with rob happened which is great and then so we needed somebody to do the score for us and rob was like yeah I'll do it and rob did a great job and i I love him for it and we've been we've been good friends ever since. No, and they're, both, that, no, and they're
2: both great people. I, I I've yeah. had Allison on here two or three times as well, and, and like I said, Rob has been on many times. So, uh, yeah. but what, what can I tell you, Matt? This has been a lot of fun. I'm I'm glad that we can make this happen, and uh, certainly I'd be proud to have you back again anytime that you like. All right.
3: So thank you very much, Casey. Thanks for having me, and uh, you know, good luck with, with everything.
2: All right. Thanks a lot, and I'll, uh, I'll be in touch with you soon. All right. So uh, that's going to about do it for yeah. us today. Great. A uh, quick thank you to uh, The Wolf, who acts as my announcer there, and to Michael Cardillo, who uh, composed my opening number. Uh, also to my guests uh, Matt Jackson uh, and uh, Ben Rosenfeld a, a quick thank you to Jason Hadley for letting me uh, use the Hollywood Rock and Wrap up every week so we'll see you guys next week uh, you know hard to believe another year is coming to a close already it's going to be December the next time I speak with you guys so until then even um, listen to Casey Ryan on the Cutting Room Floor Cut, Print, Wrap and I am done
1: that was another edition of the Cutting Room Floor with your host Casey Ryan Follow Casey on Twitter at Cutting room MRB and on Facebook, The Cutting Room Door.